that was oh that's why and it's more of like an answer really it's like oh that's why they were in the movie yeah that's why abomination was there we haven't seen him in 12 freaking years so random and welcome back everybody to another episode of the nerdy misfit podcast i'm connor and i'm matt how are you doing today matt I'm doing okay. It was a little, little rough day at work today, but uh, I got through it, and uh, here we are. Here we are, recording another podcast for everybody. Exactly. And how are you doing? I'm pretty good. It was, uh, we're recording on a Friday. It was pretty chill. Fridays are usually pretty chill at work. Um, yeah, nothing to complain about for me, but I got to stay in an air-conditioned house to work, so it's a little different, I guess. <laughs> a little bit different than running around uh, outside all day, you know? Yeah, what's it like out there? Actually, it wasn't too bad. for There was like a nice breeze. So it wasn't like terrible, but you know, it is what it is. Very nice, very nice. So today, actually, as of yesterday, was the uh, first episode of She-Hulk. Yeah, so that will be about, uh, by the time this podcast should be released, should be episode three should be out, or coming out tomorrow from the release of this episode. Somewhere around there. Did you get a chance to watch it? I did. I started it yesterday and I kind of stopped halfway through and I finished it up this morning. I have the weirdest um, first complaint. The the credits being like 15 minutes long. <laughs> what a tease, eh? This episode's 40 minutes. No, it's not. It's Don't like lie to me. It's like such a long credit. I mean, it did have an after, a mid-credit scene. You mean, ah, uh, yes. The credit scene of them discussing Steve Rogers' sex life. Yeah, that'd be the one. That, but, that um, would be it. But that, but that would be uh, an interesting, uh, you know... A new Marvel thing, I guess. Mid-credit during a show. They've done it a couple times. It's just weird. It is. It doesn't really fit the style, but especially with this show. Well, and you get baited, right? You look yeah. at the timeline, you're like, okay, oh, nice, 40 minutes, 45-minute episode. No, it was just a half-hour episode. That's how they get you. But um, what, did, what did you think of the show, first episode, I guess, overall? It's hard, right? Because you know me well enough that I always dissect it in a few different ways, especially when it's like a comic book-themed thing. So from a general audience... It's not bad. It was okay. Yeah, the humor. Like, it was the cute. The humor was pretty good. It was funny. Um, good references to stuff in the MCU. Yeah. A lot of references. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, with Tony, it was nice Easter eggs to kind of like see where Bruce Banner has been and what yeah, and he did during the blip even. Yeah. His mentality, too. Like, you can clearly tell that he's alone. Exactly. That's another reason he was kind of cool holding subtle. his cousin, <laughs> not hostage, but, you know, just kind of being like, no, don't leave. Like, I want you need a friend. To learn, you need to learn to be the Hulk. Exactly. Um, subtle Easter egg, of course, even back to the first Incredible Hulk when he does like the clap, the air clap. That is the first time we've seen the Hulk do that since the Hulk movie, I believe. Right. That's just a subtle thing. Nice um, from a film point of view and like story wise, I felt like the whole episode was just a training montage and it kind of got boring halfway through. I feel like that's on purpose, though. Yeah, to, I do agree. To have it so that you don't have to witness it throughout the entire show. Yeah. Right. Like you're kind of like getting it over with and it was kind of a clever way of doing an origin story right without just, doing an origin yeah, story like you start off with she hulk and she's like oh i'm a hulk by the way and breaking the fourth wall was nice obviously yep and then it's like this is how it happened and we got it all all out in the pilot episode being like this is how it happened this is me going back to work and this yeah. is you know my life is not going to be a normal lawyer life anymore exactly no i can't argue with that um for sure i know they for this, they obviously changed the origin of She-Hulk a little bit, too. Because yes. if they were to do it how they did in the comics, it'd have to reveal a lot more. Because I don't know if you know how she became 
She-Hulk in the comics or not. No, not not too familiar with her complete origin. Long story short, her dad got killed by some like crime boss. Then like crime boss came after her and she was shot and almost dead. And that was at the time Bruce was visiting her to tell her how he became the Hulk and everything. Mm -hmm. And then they have the similar blood type. So Bruce was the only one that could give her a blood transfusion in time. That's what I thought was so, going to happen with the car accident. I yeah. thought that she was going to be super seriously injured, and it was going to be like, a, if you know One Piece, like a like with Luffy and Luffy Jinbei. to Fishman. Yeah, like I thought that that's what they were going to go for, something like along the lines of that. And then it was just that it their blood just mixed. Like she grabbed Bruce, and somehow his blood got into her bloodstream, and we just accept it and move on. Weeks. I guess his blood's probably extremely radioactive. Yeah, it makes sense. So, like, gamma radiation. Who really understands? Whoopsie-daisy. You know, one of those uh, superhero things. We don't talk about it. You refuse to truly understand what it is. It's like learning, like, the metals. The metals, the speed force. Because every time they tell you, they're like, oh, yeah, well, this is the strongest metal. And then... It's not, because then all you know, it's like this is adamantium, strongest. Oh no, it's vibranium. Oh no, it's and you're like, okay, well, there's no point in me keeping up with this. It's just a strong metal. Well, I like got the, you. The one TikTok guy I follow, he was he made this video about Wolverine talking to Black Panther, and it's like, I have vibranium. He goes, Are you sure it's not made of adamantium? It seems pretty strong. And he's like, No, this is stronger than whatever adamantium is. And he's like, No, my claws, they're adamantium. They got to be stronger than vibranium. And it's just like this two it's minute like, video. Which one is stronger? Exactly. Um, all. Ultimanium, I believe, is stronger than both of them in the comics. Ultimanium. Ultimanium. It's the ultimate metal. Well, I, I figured as much, but that is that's actually a good point. What would what would what would happen? What would what would happen if Wolverine's claws broke? Would they heal with the healing factor? Because originally they're like bones, right? Yeah. No, I think in the comics that does happen at one point because there is Silver Samurai has a sword which cuts through adamantium, and after Dake and Dark Wolverine went through like the whole thing to become adamantium i think daredevil cuts his claws off and they grow back as bones because that adamantium was outside and it was completely cut off the adamantium isn't like progressively growing in his body like his body doesn't it only has so much exactly of the metal, right it doesn't produce adamantium his skeletal system yeah which originally which would include his claws originally. yeah so anytime wolverine technically loses like a full ligament I think that part would come back as bone. So if you cut off Wolverine's hand completely, it would be normal. Bone. It would be bone claws, I believe. And his hand would be normal bone when yeah. be covered in adamantium. Yeah. Ad- adamantium. 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 Yeah. Wow. Now you're adamantium. <laughs> yeah, I thought the, I thought the first episode was decent. I didn't think it was like amazing, but I didn't think it was bad either. I'm definitely so, intrigued to see what happens. Yeah, I'm gonna keep watching, which I feel like is all they probably want at the beginning, right? Yeah. Like. They've been piqued my interest to continue watching. Good I'm also, I'm a big fan of, well, not big fan of law shows, but, you know, I've, I enjoyed Suits. I thought Suits was a good show, and I liked the banter of lawyers, so I don't know how much they plan on doing in courtroom stuff, because I remember reading a tweet by one of the writers, I believe, and he was saying it was very difficult in the writer's room writing court scene court scenes and having them not be boring, which... Is definitely understandable from a superhero show point of view, I think. But I hope there's some, at least, because that's what sets her apart, right? She doesn't want to be a hero. She yeah. wants to still do her real job. And I think in the comics, she eventually like represents the heroes. Obviously, in the comics, she joins Fantastic Four for a bit and joins S.H.I.E.L.D. and joins the, the Avengers at some point. Yeah, she's all over the place, just yeah. kind of pick up her relevance, right? Like, yeah. have her around so people still understand that she's there. 
but yeah, I'm definitely gonna continue watching the show and see what see what unfolds. I definitely well, I'm happy that we have a timeline of it. This officially happens after Shang Chi. Yeah, that's true. Because so. he's no longer in the cast, and he references it, saying that he has that device that keeps him in that regular state, human form, and not well. Hulk he did form. have that device. He, it's like used to. He used to have that device. Good times. Lasted a whole what ten minutes maybe. In the show, yeah, but in the grand scheme, I think. A couple, a couple of years. years, yeah, yeah, and it explains obviously the healed, the healed arm and stuff. So, from, but it is also nice to get some form of continuity or timeline continuity when it comes to this whole new post end game. Yeah, post end game MCU because so far it feels really all over the place. Yeah. It's really hard to gauge what's happening. It's not as linear yeah it's not as linear and built up to be like this is this hero this is the timeline they were in and this is where they are now and this and you know and they work their way up to the avengers like i'm actually very curious to how we're going to reach that avenger point like Wong. why do we become event why do yeah. they become the avengers how do they join the avengers is another interesting because the way they showed it in the original phases was you kind of knew what they were building up to yeah. with this credit scenes and the the popping in and out of shield and stuff. And you're like, okay, I get it. We're building towards the bigger thing. And then the first Avengers, they all come together because they're needed, which obviously I assume something's going to happen, but it's just weird because we don't have the whole, there's nothing like being like connecting. I guess the connection is like, they're not connected. The Dr. Strange, like his whole shtick. Like, I think it's just Wong. I don't even think Dr. Strange is particularly, but like Wong is the one that's popped up the most in phase four. He's the one that's like kind of connecting everyone at this point. He's like that random supporting character that just kind of pops even up. Because they're even involved with Spider-Man, right? Like, yeah, they've touched Spider-Man movies. They've touched all the, a lot of the new movies, and it's like he was in Shang Chi. He was in Spider-Man. They're gonna be he's, in She-Hulk. He, yeah, he's get, at least Wong will be in She-Hulk. Yeah, and, I don't know and, about Benedict Cumberbatch, but but that's I guess the connection. But so does like Shield just go to the temple and it's all like i need you to gather all the heroes well it seems like this phase like with the whole wong story has to do something with like or do they take all the current avengers we know and they're in trouble and we need the new heroes to help the avengers the new avengers you could say i see what you're going with this i'm still here for that idea where it's similar to comics where there was the huge event like endgame and now they're doing like a soft reboot to get all these new heroes and stuff to create a new team, the next generation per se. Which is good. It just feels like they haven't, they've eliminated some, but it definitely leaves massive question marks about a lot of them, right? Yeah. Spider-Man, you can argue, no one knows about him anymore. So, okay, that's easy written out kind of thing, right? Well, the thing is too, is you also have to keep in mind is that a lot of people are stressed out because of the MCU because they feel the need to watch all of it to catch up. But anything post Endgame, excluding really the Spider-Man movies, are its own thing. Yeah, they're 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 their own entity, really. Yeah, like, like there might be some connection, but they're not. Yeah, it was like WandaVision connects to Doctor Strange, yes, but I think really of the MCU of Phase Four, that's the only thing it connects, other than the most important connection. I yeah, because and Wong, you can read a blurb about it to exactly. Because outside of that, what else is important? Like Wong showing up in Shang Chi for five minutes in total. Like we don't even know if that's going to pay off fully in She Hulk. Is it really going to be that important? I, I feel like that was just an Easter egg and a hype a hype factor for She-Hulk. Because we see, we see the Abomination, and then we, we see... Bruce see ab- at the end? And we see Abomination in the trailers for She-Hulk. So it's yeah. kind of like, oh, wow, 
that was oh that's why and it's more of like an answer really it's like oh that's why they were in the movie they, that's why abomination was there we haven't seen him in 12 freaking years so random but I, i'll i'll continue watching and see what happens have you gotten a chance to watch any of sandman i have not yet no i think uh i wasn't sure if they did like two separate episodes like sequences where like they revealed like six episodes and then a few episodes because i checked this morning and it was 11 but i thought thought there was only six so i got confused when i watched it i watched 10 all 10 of the episodes okay so maybe it was all 11 and i think they came out at once no i re- i noticed today when i watched episode 11 that you mentioned it to me that that actually came out either yesterday or today that's so weird and it's because it is more of a special it's it has nothing to do with the story that's told okay. from one to ten interesting so spoilers ahead for anyone that hasn't hasn't uh, watched uh sandman and spoilers ahead for if you haven't uh watched episode 11 but episode 11 is kind of like the first half it's like a two-parter it's the first half covers cats and they're animated very much like a video game is like my best description if you've played it takes two it's kind of in that style but as cats and uh yeah you just follow like this cat and how cats dream and how they're trying to take over humanity or humanity took over the cat's world first or it was weird and then the second half covers um i can't remember the goddess but um, the whole point of Sandman is he gets trapped. Yep. And this second half of this episode 11 is a different goddess who I guess was married to the to him, to Sandman, gets captured. And I can't remember. I think she was a Roman or a Greek god who okay. gives ideas to writers or different people. Well, like the whole concept of Sandman and the way Neil Gaiman did it, I don't know too much about it other than the fact that there was like seven entities that he yeah created. we meet those in the real story okay but this one is a greek god that's stolen okay and i guess he was married to her and have us a child i i wonder if that's hinting at a potential season two yeah, maybe learning more about him but uh he eventually saves her or whatever it was i don't know it felt like more just like a fun two extra mini stories added okay. on but the actual series was okay i didn't know much about him going in and it was interesting enough for me to complete the show. Okay. The acting was a bit uh, early Robert Pattinson, Edward Cullen, emotionless, emo, even the kind of look of, of, of Dream is kind of hitting that emo, like, what's the point? Like, very monotone. But, but I feel like that's probably more so because that is how the character's supposed to be portrayed, I'm hoping. Hoping the actor's just not that flat. Probably. It's probably how it's supposed to be. Because this is a big, like, for people that are familiar with Sandman, and they, there's a weird, I don't want to say it's a niche fan base, but people that know Sandman enjoy it, like, a lot. A lot, yeah. Like, I think there's about 10 volumes of it, and Neil Gaiman wrote see, it. I can see why, though, because it's very interesting with, like, his siblings, which are different entities. It's like, reminds you of, like, it's like the seven, almost like seven. Di- like, and it's like a form of like the seven sins kind yeah. of thing, right? Where they all have their own kind of shtick. Like, death is one of them, and it was it was interesting. Um, I didn't know much going in, and so when I, you know, the first episode when he's like captured and stuff, you're like, I'm like, okay, wow, that wasn't right expecting. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that, and he's not there, so the dream world's falling apart, and 
it was interesting. And, and then I've seen clips from or panels from the comic, and they do have a couple big scenes. I don't know if they're quite word for word how they were written, but they were at least Close. in there and cool. Cool Easter egg for the fans, like you said, that uh, maybe they liked it. But I would say for a Warner Brothers slash DC, if you really want to give it a it was that is, it is a DC title technically. It's just it falls into this weird subcategory where it was part of like uh, uh, the other Vertigo. I think that was the company that did yeah, like Vertigo Comics, Sandman, Animal Man, Swamp Thing, Zatanna. All these darker style characters were all under that title, and then DC Vertigo became DC, and nowadays that all falls under like the black label. Okay. Of DC, so it's like the real, like darker. They're allowed to darker go. stories, yeah. yeah. Not targeted towards the younger. Correct. Yeah, it was, but overall, I'd say it was, it was decent. The one there's this one funny part of the the show where there's a convention for like all the serial killer killers and really extremely like noted bad people in the world, and it's okay. like it's like a comic convention, but for serial killers, and it's a serial convention. And uh, people go there, like, innocent people who don't know what it is. And they're like, it's a weird serial convention. There's no serial around. And uh, they don't use their real names. They all have, like, you know, their nicknames. So it'd be like, you know, if if Jack the Ripper was there, it would say, like, Jack the Ripper. And it was, it was kind of funny <laughs> the way it was set up. And um, I guess, like, their guest speaker, their big guest speaker that was to bring, help bring all these people in wasn't going to show up. So then they end up. Um, having one of Dream's nightmares um, is the guy that ends up going because he's been killing people. Oh, damn. So it was uh, it was weird but interesting. Okay, okay. You'll, I, would, I, would, I would recommend it. If you want something a little bit darker that doesn't, like, feel super comic booky. I think that's the big part about it. It didn't feel – it's not a superhero yeah. story, right? It's just kind of this darker-toned well, That's what I enjoy story. about, like – Umbrella Academy, I found it was a good like mix of that, where it was comic booky, but then it was also a little bit darker, kind of style. So like, you see heroes that were okay to break the lo- break the traditional rules of not killing people or anything like that, right? Like Umbrella Academy, just went crazy. And I think the concept of Umbrella Academy is really neat too because it comes from that like more niche comic book fan, right? Yeah. The other thing was, um, I like I didn't realize how much overlap it would have with other titles. Because like you have Constantine who is gender bent in this uh, in this uh, story, but um, you also get a couple other characters that we've seen in some of the CW shows already. So, and I'm also including Lucifer in the CW. Yeah, I think Lucifer falls under that black category, black label of DC, but I'm not entirely sure. And he sure. was in the CW verse when they do like the multiverse; they have him coming out of the club or whatever. Yeah. They kind of like fit him in there, but. It was funny because they go to see the devil, like they go to see Lucifer, and they see um I can't remember her her name the Lucifer's like right hand woman, um but it would have been really cool to see them be those CW like the from the original shows would have yeah. been cool but it was cool to like hear them and be like oh wow I'm starting to connect the dots with like different universes within the DC DC world yeah so. That was cool. I thought that was kind of cool. It would have been cool to see the same actors just because of, you know, how much. I feel like Lucifer is one of those shows that people liked, but didn't it didn't get enough views or didn't get enough um, love. So they 
probably dropped it a lot earlier than it probably could have lasted. Well, they kept it alive, right? I was going to say, I think it lasted a good, like, five seasons. But I think it was supposed to stop at, like, season three. And I think, like, the cult following that really loved it helped keep it alive. Yeah. But that was cool. That was a cool part of it, too. Kind of, like, realizing what other characters were connected to the Sandman. Or Dream, or whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Another uh, interesting topic that we can actually talk about is um, I was talking to Gray... And he brought up an interesting question. I can't remember what we were talking about that brought it up. But he was just randomly like, do you ever think about how lame Mr. Fantastic is compared to Luffy? And for those of you who don't know anime, Luffy is the protagonist of One Piece whose ability is to stretch like rubber. Which, if you're not a Marvel fan, Mr. Fantastic's ability is to stretch like rubber. But both of them have very different styles. Yes, styles, I think, is the appropriate word. Because I would say Mr. Fantastic is very focused on... I wouldn't... Like, he's not, like, super strong, but I would say his technique with his powers, for the most part, is more for apprehending... If that makes sense. Like, he does a lot of, like, wrapping around people. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of, like, saving people by, like, expanding. Also, if you don't know comics or um, anime, another good one is, uh, what's her face Miss from The um, the, um, the Incredibles? Elastigirl. Elastigirl, that's it. There's a lot of, it, the thing is, is as lame or as. Or Ms. Marvel from the comics. <laughs> Ms. Marvel from the comics. You have Mr. Fantastic. Uh, you have my personal favorite because of how cringy it is, uh, Flatman. Uh, yes, Flatman. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of rubbery, yeah. stretchy guys. Who else from... There's DC, which is like uh, Elongated Man, mm-hmm. Plastic Man, uh, Elastic Girl from Elastigirl, The yeah. Incredibles. The list goes on, really. But they all have very similar powers, and some of them are cooler in comparison to Lame. I would say Luffy is the most out-of-the-box of all of them. Yes. Absolutely. The most completely, you're just like, I don't know if that really makes sense, but I'm going to accept it. Yeah, I mean, the way Luffy does it is where he's able to stretch his body enough to change his form. Is It is logical. Like, it is something... Even Mr. Fantastic does do that from time to time, where he changes his body enough. Like, we see it in the mid-2000s film where he changes his finger to look like a key. Like, that's just a small level in comparison where Luffy will do his entire body, well, the per thing, se. Yeah, the thing... It's, it's hard to say, and I feel like we had a brief discussion about this, where it's like, Mr. Fantastic, one... He is definitely significantly smarter than Luffy. One of the highest IQs in the Marvel Universe. So he does have that. And I feel like for him, stretching is just like a nice thing to have when he's doing. Because research and using his brain is a more useful tool to the Marvel to the Marvel Universe as mm-hmm. a whole than his power ever is. There is also a theory that, at least in the main continuity of Earth-616 in the Marvel comics, not to be confused with the Ultimate Universe, in the Ultimate Universe, this is confirmed, but in Earth-616, it's not fully confirmed that because of his stretching abilities, it's actually physically possible to stretch his brain to basically store more information. And that's why in the Ultimate Universe, why Mr. Fantastic is a villain in there, also known as the Maker, is because he's found a way to fully stretch his body to basically understand the universe to an extreme standpoint. That's a good point. That's a good point. But I don't know if that falls under Six one six Mr. Fantastic is the lamest Mr. Fantastic is what you're saying. Pretty much, yeah. I mean he's not as lame as Flatman because Flatman is literally the exact same powers, but he's part of like the the D list Avenger team. And missing the brain. 
and missing the brain. He's literally his origin is this guy named Matt, who was a barista, who then gets fired and then joins a party company as an impersonist of Mr. Fantastic. And then they go through a cloud and then he gets the powers. No, he just I, there's no real reason origin why he has the powers, but then he ends up joining. He was bitten by a bouncy ball. He's bitten by a bouncy <laughs> nice. <laughs> A radioactive, a radioactive bouncy ball. ball. Radioactive yes. bouncy ball. Uh, but then he ends up joining um, the Great Lake Avengers, mm. which is like yes, the yes. group of D-list characters like Big Bertha and Doorman yep. and a couple of the random characters I can't remember right now because they're lame. Unfortunate. But anyways, back to the root of it. Luffy versus... It, it's hard because Luffy uses his ability in comedic sense, which works for his character. Yeah, that's his character. Like, that's how he's written. Yeah. But the, the, and the other thing is Luffy, at least we have an understanding that every part of him is quotations made out of rubber, right? Like, that's like, you're now a rubber man. Your whole body... Like, the explanation towards some of his power-ups is like, oh, I'm... Like, he does a form of blood doping right where he uses his legs and or arms to since his veins and arteries are rubber they can withstand a much higher blood pressure yeah so he pumps his blood basically causing him to have more like this is very sciencey but like essentially to get more oxygen faster to all of his body parts to allow him to go faster and whatnot which i'm unsure if that's how mr fantastic's power work i think he may just have stretchy skin but i really don't but you're know t- but everything has to stretch with it exactly right like your bones have to stretch it's not like he's like leaving his, yeah his bones behind all- yeah so so is it his skeletal structure and then do you think he like loses feeling how far he yeah, stretches like, i have no idea never went down this fully rabbit hole of the scientificness behind mr fantastic and like they both do have like very classic rubber components right like you see like in um the og fantastic four films cold makes him like less stretchy and like more constricted because that's what the cold does to rubber and yeah. similarly to luffy he has other attributes i don't know if it's re- it haven't really seen cold be an effective thing i mean we see him get frozen but that's just because he's frozen not that's different but um we see him be able to withstand like lightning yeah which i think mr fantastic does in the movie when he's going against victor von doom so like because they're both rubber so the clearly they're both rubber yeah like that seems to be a very common thing it's just the way in which they actually handle their powers because one the one thing that really sets them apart is and this is very anime is luffy bites himself hard enough to blow up his arms and body parts to be bigger yes because they're rubber so they can blow up like a balloon why that makes you stronger when theoretically you would only have air i anime logic anime logic and we'll leave it at that but that's what that that's part of why luffy is much more creative but that's also within his world obviously it's always hard when you're kind of transversing uh different worlds like when people even is even within anime logic when people try and compare goku to someone you're like you can't really totally different worlds well that's the thing right even like you do that between dc and marvel where they're like these two characters are very similar powers similar powers similar intelligence like what's batman's intelligence in comparison to someone like iron man even iron man yeah like or quicksilver versus the flash like that what's their speed difference like would you say the flash is faster like Part of me wants to say yes, but that's only because the speed force is a thing in DC. Well, that's the thing, right? In comparison to Flash versus Quicksilver, where Quicksilver just has super speed, 
Flash has access to the speed force, which makes him think faster. Everything's faster. Exactly. And it's like, but what's stopping Marvel from doing the same, just randomly introducing it in a story, right? Sim- a similar thing. Yeah. You know, because they don't want to get sued or anything. But they could easily introduce, like, some sort of speed factor being like, oh, like, he connects to the X. In- insert random made-up thing here. Yeah. And then the all X, of a sudden, no, the X factor is the name of an X Men team. But you know what I mean. Yeah, like, they could easily be like, "Oh, he's." They could just make the thing with comics is like, if you're creative enough, you can just make something up, right? They can be like, "Oh, he's been able to go so fast now. He's unlocked the ability to access." It's kind of like Ant Man when he goes so small, so subatomically small that he's reaching the the plane in which no one even thought yeah, like existed. Yeah, the microverse or whatever it's called. Right? It's like... A quantum? Why can't he go fast enough to reach a point in which people didn't really think was a place? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, comparing comparing people can get complicated. Very easily, because there's some hardcore fan people that are like, this character will always be better than this character. In conclusion, which one do you like more? Luffy? Mr. Fantastic? I like Luffy more. Luffy is, I think, is by default probably my answer because realistically, I haven't went down this the Mr. rabbit hole. The unfortunate thing for Mister Fantastic is that he's from such an oh, he's from the original team. And let's face it, that original team, their powers don't hold up really comparatively to the power scaling that has occurred in superheroes. Right? No, they really haven't. It's it's weird. Because the only thing that's kept up is how intelligent he is. Yeah. Because by making him one of the most intelligent as new things are introduced in Marvel, he knows it. They also wrote him out for like four years, and that was okay. He had an important role, though. He did. He did, yes. Like, the universe would not exist mm-hmm. without Reed Richards. To be fair, Reed and Susan also gave birth to one of the the most powerful character inside Marvel. Arguably the most powerful character. Phoenix. That's an entity. I can have an argument for that one. <laughs> okay, so you're saying the most powerful human. Yes, but I think he's classified. This is very confusing because Marvel likes to do this thing where one day they'll call someone a mutant, then the next day they're not a mutant anymore. The reason is because they messed up with the X gene. Yes. And then, But mutant is like this umbrella term. Yes. It's like, oh, you're a mutant. It's like if you got superpowers that aren't related to radioactivity x gene stuff like that it's like okay that's all under the umbrella of mutant other superpowers are just kind of like what like who even who actually even falls out out of this umbrella mr fantastic the og one yeah yeah the og team they don't they're not classified as mutants because they have they got like cosmic radiation because the whole point of the x gene is that radiation yeah but that's implying that are you implying the hulk is that a mutant technically yes no because i think the whole premise of the x gene is that you're born with it and whether or right. not it activates but that's a specific type of mutant yeah oh i guess okay x gene mutants right yeah like Sp- spider-man is a mutation it is a mutation but he's not he doesn't hulk have the is X-gene. a mutation that's fair from gamma radiation yeah so but are they not technically mutants because they're body has mutated yeah from the solar cosmic radiation rays of something thing. in the sky sometimes um you're not wrong uh, because if you're using the loose term of mutation then yes 
right? Because that's kind of what it feels like Marvel does a lot. They kind of like put things under the umbrella. Yeah, but inside... And then they forget that the X-Gene is like its own thing, really. Well, no, they've been trying to fix that a lot in the comics recently with the whole like Krakoa thing and having its own like separate area. Oh, and, and then the Inhumans. That yeah. like was just like... The half humans, half Kree. Yeah, that was like a... We're going to replace the X-Men. <laughs> They tried and they failed. The MCU X-Men's tried it and cool. they failed. The X-Men are too cool. They're cool. too crazy. Cool like, outfits. The ideas of... I think the idea of an X-Gene slash mutations like that makes more sense to... Not saying, you know, it would ever be someone shooting out ice out of their hand or anything, but I think who, it's by the a, way, is an Omega-level mutant. I just think it's cool. Like, it feels like it's something that could happen. What's What's to say someone doesn't... A human doesn't have a mutation where they can see in the dark. Yeah, exactly. That's probably just a form of adaptation, right? Like, a mutation starts as just a way of a creature's ability to adapt to its surroundings and give it off to their offspring, you know? Where in human, I don't know too much about it, but I think it's... The theory of evolution. The theory... Charles Darwin. I have a video on that. Oh, no. From high school. Got a really good grade. Solid. I'm proud of you. I was like the Bill Nye the Science Guy. I was the host. I have a lab coat and everything beautiful i'll show you it you've come so far (laughs) um but no i i see your point of like mutation in in the marvel universe is general a general term but i think with the whole x gene i think that's what separates the x-men from the other mutations because yes in the spider-man 90s doesn't charles xavier have a conversation with spider-man where he's like you are a type of mutant but you're not yeah he basically says he's a mutant but he's not a mutant the problem with charles xavier is his his whole shtick is his study of the X gene. Yeah, that exactly. Is spe- his specific form of study, that is what he knows. So obviously he's labeled as a, you know, God tier level knowledge of mutation, but Do really I- it's focused on the X gene. Yeah. Which is why he has the school, which is why the X-Men exists. Exactly. All Cerebro and stuff. Cause that's the thing. Cause Cerebro, I think also works just for the X gene. Correct. He, he wouldn't, he wouldn't see Spider-Man on yeah. that. I'm, I, well, I, that's a lie because he can see humans. Yeah, depending so on the style. I'm sure though. if he wanted to look for Spider-Man, he, he could, could find Peter could Parker. Find yeah. But that's just because that shit's broken. Yeah, Cerebro is insane. And now, well, even to the extent now in comics, he just wears it on his head. Which makes sense. I mean, Magneto wears his helmet. Exactly. Now they're just matching helmet buddies. Even though that's technically a nerf. It's the whole point of the helmet is to nerf his friend, but... Irrelevant. But you know what I mean. Like, yeah. it, 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 to have it be portable makes him useful in the field exactly even though he's in a wheelchair not anymore well even though he was in a wheelchair yeah he wasn't a wheelchair but that was before he started wearing screen before he took over someone's body after he was trapped in the shadow realm yeah yeah the shadow realm right 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 or the he shadow lost all his life points <laughs> but it's okay he got resurrected from the graveyard insert life point noise ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um yeah another no, I don't have another. You don't have another? I, I was so know. anticlimactic. I, I had a point and then I lost it. I lost it. Are you, uh, what you reading these days? That's a, is, is another one? Uh, well, I'm caught up on My Hero Academia. There's some pretty crazy things going on in there. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, I want to say there's crazy things going on there, but it's become a little harder to follow. The, he's recently, tinkered the power system i would say okay which he's gone from kind of like his own power system that he introduced well it's obviously all his own but and it's turned more into a 
almost Nen style where he's kind of like definitely taking a lot of um, inspiration from Nen. It's just that it was never originally introduced. The powers were never really introduced that way. So it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's hard. He's got a little bit of catching up or ex- more explanations would be good. But that, that, that's, um, that's that. Um, I'm also reading and caught up on Tokyo Revengers. Okay. Just a quick point back to Jujutsu Kaisen. For the listeners, he's referencing the Hunter x Hunter or the Hunter Hunter power scale that they use. Correct. Just for anyone who's not too familiar with that. Yeah, that would be the the power system that I am referencing. I'm reading, uh, well, I'm caught up on Berserk. I think it's three or four chapters um, that have been released with the new writers. How do you like it so far? I think they're doing a good job. It's following essentially where you would have, I feel like most people were kind of expecting the story to kind of go with the way it it got left off. So I, don't, I can't really be upset about that. I think some people are being extremely nitpicky. I don't think it's the art is at the same level, but I think it's still, in terms of manga, it is still a very exceptional art. So I'm still reading and I'm still enjoying it. Um, what else are my reading? Uh, Rent a Girlfriend is one that I'm caught up on. One Piece I read weekly. Um, uh, the newest volume as of recording this of uh, Dress Up Darling came out. Okay. So I still have that to read. Um, I'm reading that as the volumes come out just to give me... Because a lot of the stuff I'm trying to read weekly as it comes out online. And... Uh, just to kind of give me that buffer, um, I think I'm going to start reading certain stories only as the English volumes are officially released and read them that way. So that's so I have that one volume to read. I'm reading Vagabond and Vinland Saga, and there's a couple that I have on the go, but I'm not actively reading them. Oh, and I'm actively reading Monster as well. This is a very convoluted question, apparently. <laughs> there's that, yeah. And then there's other ones like... Um, like, I still have uh, Poon Poon to read that I'm halfway through. Um, I have 20th Century Boys, which I've only, like, scratched the surface of, so I really wouldn't count it as, read. like, I'm actively reading it. Uh, Spy Family, I've read, like, the first, a little bit past the first season. Uh, same with, there's a few, there's a, just a good chunk of series that I've read, like, 30-plus, or even, like, Kingdom, I've read over... Th- first 150 chapters but it's like almost a thousand chapters it's just that i'm not currently reading it yeah some of it's like i take a break wait for them to get more chapters and then like i kind of binge like i did that with my hero a couple weeks ago where i had like it was only like five or six chapters but that's like six plus weeks potentially yeah exactly so that could have been like two months worth of chapters that i end up catching up on how about you um, well, I finally finished Promise Neverland, so that was super exciting for me, the plot twisty story that is Promise Neverland. Um, so I had to switch it up a little bit, and now I'm reading a few different things, uh, t- some of which you've already judged me for, but it's fine, because one of them's already finished, and no one's really talking about the other one, and then whatever. Um, so I'm currently reading Blue Exorcist and Death Note. I know Death Note's finished, and Blue Exorcist is going on still. Um, nope. But I want to pick those because... Those are two of the animes I started with. Yep, I remember. So, and Death Note is still like... You had the like opening of Blue, of Blue Exorcist as... My ringtone like for a while. For the longest time. Yeah, it's a good good opening. Um, 
but I don't know. I wanted to read those, and like those are kind of like, just if I don't want like, Death Note is a lot to read. I don't want to say it's a lot to re- it's read, but on it's on the shorter side. Yeah, and Blue Exorcist is something that's still coming out weekly. But I'm curious if like, because when I first watched anime of the Blue Exorcist, I really enjoyed it, so I was curious if I would enjoy the manga as well. Um, and then I'm also reading Kaiju Number Eight. Yeah, Kaiju Number Eight, which is a big one right now. Kind of like Attack on Titan esque. Yeah. Somewhat. And a couple of weeks ago, it was revealed that they were going to make an anime for it. Yeah. So it's which, exciting. Which makes sense. I mean, it's very popular. So, yeah, un- but understandable. Especially with, I don't know if they announced the studio, but. Not yet. I checked that today. Getting the rights to that is definitely, you know, you look at Wit Studio doing Attack on Titan, that really exploded Wit. So. I'm hoping, I feel like that's going to, the studio is going to end up doing it, I think. But it's we'll own, we'll know. we'll find out. I guess I, if I was a betting man, I'd just say it's Mappa since they're just picking up literally everything. Fair. This past like two years, it feels like Mappa just grabbing everything and doing everything. So that would be who I'd put my money on. Okay. But yeah, could be one of the smaller ones, maybe some, or you know, could be a, one of the big ones that just decide to pick it up. The only thing that's scary about Kaiju Number Eight is it kind of falls in line with very much a Attack on Titan or even like a Mecha, where I you just kind of know that there there's a high high chance of some really bad CGI. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of scared of because I know because it's like the cool the thing about Attack on Titan is it's just flesh mechs. Yep, that's that's what the Titans are. They're flesh mechs, right? Literally, there's a pilot a pilot in it and it's just a flesh body instead of a mech body did i ruin attack on titan for you, you did, did you? a little bit not gonna lie i'm <laughs> s- i'm now thinking and i'm like you're mm, i hate that you're right about that yep that is what attack on titan is flesh mechs Ooh. and that's kind of what kaiju is kaijus are monsters they're just flesh they're fleshy mechs yeah they're just fleshy they're well flesh i say mechs. mechs but kaiju is giant monster they're yeah, giant they're monsters, giant monsters yeah so i don't know i'm enjoying the universe of kaiju number eight because it's Part of it was cliche. I knew, I knew part of the story was just going to happen because of how cliche well, it seems. Well, that's why a lot of people recommend it's not as, well, we don't know yet, but it's nowhere near the as dramatic and deep as Attack on Titan Agreed. ends up becoming. But it's very first season-ish, but I would say a more um, less violent. Yeah. Because Attack on Titan, the one thing that sets it apart, I think, when you first watch it is you get introduced to these people and it almost is Game of Thrones-esque with the killing where you're like, who the heck is safe? Like, it feels like nobody yeah. is safe. Kaiju number eight is very less like that. There's Yeah, there's not really any main characters dying, but it has that classic, like, we're fighting these things. Oh, the main character became this He's thing. He's also one help, of them. To help fight them. Okay. Insane. Yeah. I do feel the buildup is not as fast as well. Attack on Titan was. If you were... If you and this is I don't know, I don't really think oh I don't really want to say a spoiler warning for Attack on Titan since it's been out forever but yeah. the spoiler warning is Aaron's origin of his watching his mom die before his eyes his hatred towards the Titans is built up quick yes whereas Kaiju it's kind of like it's more of a I'm gonna say wholesome you know best friends are like we're gonna become like the top they're unit. not even best friends close friends. but yeah they're like we're gonna become the best kaiju unit i can't remember what it's called to fight them. the hunters whatever you want to call them right yeah. and then the one does she ends up becoming 
the number one. The literal number one, yeah. Like at taking out kaijus, and he's the cleanup crew. He gives up and just yeah. Stays he gives as up and becomes crew. a cleanup crew for for when they kill the kaijus, mm-hmm. and then this event causes him to be able to join and work his way up the ranks. So similarities, I can see why people say you like Attack on Titan. You'll like Kaiju you'll number eight. Yeah, I the, get it. And I would. It's, ve- it's just too vague, in my opinion, because it's kind of like, what did you like Attack on Titan for? Because there's so many different people that yeah. like it for different things. I know Gray, he really enjoyed the original part of Attack on Titan, the whole hatred towards the Titans and wanting to eliminate the Titans. That mm-hmm. was what he really enjoyed about it. He wasn't as into, like, when they started doing, like, all the political and then... Um, for the political part, yeah, of season three, I feel like it is a little bit harder to get through because of how, like... Season one is very, like, story-based. I haven't read the manga. That's why I'm going off mm-hmm. off the end of it. But then you get to, like, season two, and then it's, like, fully action-packed. Yeah, season and two then is crazy action and, you know, lots of re- reveals. Yeah, and then season three happens, and the first part is, like, do-do-do-do-do. Look, guys, we have to hide from everything because there's big political stuff going on. Yeah, the season three opens with them all, like, in the barn, right? Yeah. With Levi. And, like, Levi's not there, and they're all cleaning, and they're, like... And then Levi checks under the table, and they're, like, oh, my God, it's dusting. Yeah, and then, finally, later on, the whole Kenny thing shows up, and then Aaron gets kidnapped. Like, there's a whole other, like, second part to it, which is that... I think that that's what makes Attack on Titan a good story, though. I think it Is that big break? I think it added a layer to the story and a layer of complexity that made it not just as simple as, oh... It's just Titan, like Titans are bad. We kill Titans because they kill, eat humans. Yeah. It opens up like this. It expands the universe and the complexity of what and who Titans are, and why the society. What like why is society on the brink of extinction? Why are they in these walls? Who created these walls? Like it, it blows it up, and season three really starts to cover those things that you're really asking these questions about. I do agree, but I also think it came a little late in mm. the story like i feel like if it was like sprinkled a little bit obviously it was hinted at here and there but i feel like yeah, if it, it was just season a little one bit more heavy ends with the titan in a wall yeah i know that and then season two there's just too much going on to take away their focus from that yeah no i understand i just feel like if there was a little bit more introduced well for, i mean maybe well, you have to rewatch it i mean you are yeah i'm re- currently so you, it. like the little tidbits of like what is uh you know Aaron's um is the coordinate. That's another hint. What's the coordinate? Why why is Aaron the coordinate? What's the importance of it? And you start to learn that through scenes. There are things, and there's still the basement, right? Like, yeah. I think that it's re- written really well. Like th- it is built up, and this whole time you're like, and then you reach this point where you're just flooded with some of the answers. But then some of those answers create bigger questions, which also get answered. You just aren't there yet. Yeah, I'm not quite there yet. I gotta but finish that still. I think that that's because once you get there, then there's like season three. And have you finished season three yet? Like, have you gone to the basement? No, not yet. And that's another stage where you hit like a wall and then another whole expansion of the universe and answering so many questions, but causing more questions. And, and once you're there, we'll have a, we can have a Attack on Titan discussion. I know the final season is probably Park. i think it's supposed to Whatever. air in winter season i think so yeah so we'll obviously probably have a bigger discussion then but i think by the time you're there you'll probably know that's like months down the line so you probably have already read the, the manga probably is 
if we're being realistic, you probably would read the manga by then. Because I, if you're anything like me, you'll finish season three, part two, and you're gonna be you. You're not gonna be able to wait. You're gonna be like, okay, I need to need to know the answers. Thankfully, there is more seasons for you, mm-hmm. but that's where I. That's when I started reading Attack on Titan. Okay. Was at the end of season three, and I was like, okay, I. I I can't wait for... need to know the answers now. Yeah, I need to know now. And at the time, the, um, there was like almost like a countdown. Attack on Titan only has a few chapters left or is going to end in this year. And I was like, oh, I'll catch up and be caught up for the ending. That's fair. But I think that that... I think I can definitely, when you have the time and you actually watch the end of season three, I think you're going to be sending me text messages like, that was not what I was expecting to be in the basement. I will say... I, in my opinion, I don't know. I know there's probably people who don't, but in my opinion, it was worth the wait. Okay. okay. The 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 revelations from the basement are worth the wait. I will have to let you know when I get to that point. And uh, with that, well, do we have any fan questions, Matt? Yeah, we have one fan question coming uh, again from Zach from Nova Scotia. I'm starting to think he's our number one fan. Always sending these questions. Um, it's an anime-themed question. Um, it's just... What's your favorite easy guy and your Isakai? least favorite? Isekai. And your favorite least favorite. Isekai. Favorite and least favorite. Mm, I think my favorite Isekai is probably ReZero. Okay. And my least favorite is probably one of the really generic ones that I haven't watched. But if it's one that I have watched, it's SAO. Specifically, uh, season two? I mean, just in general, but... It's funny because there are, I say that, but I have watched all of SAO that's been released. And I think the later seasons are all way better in terms of storytelling and plot than the first season ever was. That is what a lot of people say for sure. I still think season two is definitely but the worst of the series. There might be an isekai that I've only watched give like the three episode try and dropped. Because the thing is, there's so many every season now, and they all sound the same. I don't know how many easy guys I've really watched. Like, I don't think I've watched an insane amount enough personally to answer this question. Um, but yeah, there's some decent ones. Um, Reincarnated as a Slime, I think, is one of the better ones. Shield uh, Hero? I think Shield Hero is okay. It, like, I know that some people really like it, but I would say it's okay. It's not... It's not bad, but it's not. Yeah. I wouldn't no say game, no life. No, that's not really an easy guy. Yes, it is. Is it? Was that full? Like, They're yeah. Transported to another world. That's fair. Yeah, that's just doesn't have enough story. Like, yeah, it's that good. was it. Was it's it was decent, good? But it's like, you know, there's no more to it. Yeah, I didn't so watch I the movie either. I wouldn't recommend. Oh, the movie's bad. Oof. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend. Like, I would recommend it if people really like like the aesthetic, because it also has a really cool aesthetic. It did look nice. Yeah, it has a cool aesthetic, but. Um, yeah, I would say for me, my favorite is ReZero. I just think it has, it, it kind of like came out at just the right time, like right before the extreme boom of Isekai. And the thing is, Isekai is not even really a genre, but it's morphed into a genre because really it's more of like a fantasy adventure, but it's almost developed into its own genre because of how many of the, of the stories exist now. But yeah, ReZero is up is definitely the top for me. I think Konosuba is really funny and a good, you know, it's a making fun of, you know, parody kind of series is is fun. Um Shield Hero is okay. 
and for the most part, I really kind of, I wouldn't say I avoid them. I read the synopsis. If it is interesting, like obviously you read it and you're like, oh wow, original. But if it's, if there's something about it that gets me kind of going, oh, okay, I'll give it a try and then I'll watch a couple episodes and then sometimes it's the animation that's just like, wow, this is awful. Or sometimes it's just like, I've literally seen this already. Seen this plot a few times, yeah. But yeah. I would say if you're okay with super gory scenes and you want an isekai that's good, I would recommend ReZero. Okay. That would be my recommendation. I mean, yeah, because you've seen SAO, parts of SAO. I've seen season one and season two. I've seen No Game No Life, the show. I haven't seen the movie. Uh-huh. That really concludes my easy guys watching. Like, I don't think I've watched too many. Yeah, that's fair. You don't need to watch them. It's not for you. It's not for you. I don't have anything against Easy Guys. Yeah, I think the concept is... I get why the concept's popular. You know, it really does put the watcher or the reader... It's like, this is you. You've been put into the world. I saw that uh, the vending machine Isekai is getting an anime. The what? He uh, died and get re- got reincarnated as a vending machine or oh there's one where they're reincarnated as a cell phone um i've seen the one where she's reincarnated as a spider it was okay okay the thing is it's like the classic power like you know i I think the reason i like some of like the slime and stuff is they don't follow the typical oh i become overpowered and kind of i'm just the best in this world really quick and here's my harem Mm-hmm. like the slime it becomes a lot more like political-esque where like the slime is like creating up this village of all the different monsters because obviously humans aren't as big of a fan of the monsters so he's like hey you're welcome here in my village and yeah he's super overpowered but like his focus is different yeah and re-zero is the main character is not strong at all is actually pathetically weak and dies a lot because that's his shtick. He dies and he resets to a certain point. Re. Yeah, repeating. And then Konosuba is just good because it's funny. Maybe I'll try those out if I'm looking for a isekai. Because I haven't watched too much anime recently. Like I have to still catch up on this current season that's airing. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, thanks for the question, isekai. Thank you, Zach, as always. Yeah, and let, always. Us, let us know. I'll put it as the question on Spotify. Do you watch Isekai? And if so, what is your favorite and what is your least favorite? And yeah. In conclusion, um, thanks for listening. And make sure you guys check us out on all the different listening platforms through all of them, really. Yeah, we're on all the major all the major all podcast the platforms. Uh, if you're on Apple, please uh, drop a review. It helps the podcast a lot. And yeah, check us out on all our social medias. They'll be in the links um, in the description. And yeah, thanks for watching or well, listening. Thanks, not thanks watching for listening. Quite yet. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt. And I'm Connor. And we'll see you all next Wednesday. Bye.